We left off a couple weeks back, and it has been two weeks ago since we uh, last met on our series, but looking at the eternality of God. And so, I, uh, as fate would have it, well, not fate, my bad planning and uh, bad uh, actions on my own, I forgot my laptop, so we will have to work from our notes, but it's in a good spot because we've been about two weeks back, so we'll start looking at eternality again from the beginning just to give a, a better understanding of it. But remember, we're looking at the overall nature of God, and the nature is comprised of the essence and attributes of God. So as you look at those things together, I believe I circulated a uh, copy of the overall picture uh, that you guys can look at there. There you go. There, there's a couple of them uh, available if you But up till now, we've looked at the essence, we've looked at the attributes, and we've looked at a few pieces of the nature of God. And so, uh, as you see those essence, or the essence and the parts of the attributes, you see a lot of those tying into the overall nature of God when you see it play out. Now, eternality is a part of God's nature in which he doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have an end. There is no interruption of God whatsoever. Uh, and as you think about men... We do have a beginning, right? We do have an end. Uh, there is interruption to time with us, and so it's quite the contrary when you think about God. And it's hard for us to fathom because we are ones that are time-bound. I kind of likened it to, uh, as you look at uh, men, you have a... That's not going to work. Here we go. You have a, a starting point with the birth, right? And then a line that goes on and on. As you think about God, there is no starting point. It's just a, a continual existence, a continual being. Uh, so quite a bit different uh, when you, you compare and contrast the two. Now God's existence, uh, then we can say is circular rather than linear. He just is, he continually exists. Remember in the Old Testament, uh, what he said about himself when Moses said, who do I say sent me? He said, tell him I am sent me, uh, the eternally existing one, the one uh, that exists outside of time. Now, we see that the persons of the Godhead have always uh, shared this uh, between themselves and that they are eternal. And so, again, I, I've tried to think about it and it, it hurts my head to think about the fact that God is continually in existence. That back in eternity past, before there was any creation, God was. And the persons of the Godhead were interacting with one another. Uh, we can't think of any existence outside of what we see. And you see this world that's here. You see all of the things of it. You see space. You think of time. And these things all interweave into our understanding of God. But when we want to understand God properly, you have to understand that God exists outside of man. He exists outside of our thoughts. There is no concept that we're going to be able to have about God that's going to be able to understand someone who's infinite where we are finite. Uh, and so eternality plays into that. We see the persons of God have possessed life that is superior to all creation. Now, we are able to be uh, participants of a quality of God's life because of his indwelling. But we could never understand completely God's life that he provides. 
God exists on a, a much higher plane than what we're existing in. And we see that the persons of the Godhead may impart this quality of life or a quality of this life to others. So a, a good place to start, and again, we're going back over some of these, but look at the eternal, eternality of the persons uh, stated in Scripture. And we see that it's seen with the Father's purpose in Christ uh, in eternity. Go with me over to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 11. And while you're turning there, I'll open this up in a word of prayer. Father, we're grateful for this day, uh, grateful for the grace that you've provided us, and grateful uh, overall as we're looking at these parts of your nature, that we can understand a piece of who you are, but the, the pieces of who you are are far beyond our comprehension uh, in totality because you are uh, greater than anything that we can understand or imagine. And so as we uh, just try to understand better who you are, uh, we certainly understand that we as men are nowhere in comparison to you. And we are, are grateful for that fact. And we pray that as we continue to try to understand you, that it would increase uh, the way that we're able to live these lives, uh, understanding those things that you've given to us to provide that we uh, live through this present tense salvation uh, that you've given. We're grateful for all these things, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, and so Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 11. <coughs> and pick it up. <clears throat> Uh, let's pick it up at verse 1. He says there, For this cause <clears throat> I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me, uh, to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote uh, afore in a few words, whereby when we you read it, you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ, uh, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto us, or unto his holy prophets, apostles, excuse me, and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ uh, by the gospel, <clears throat> whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me who am less than the least of all the saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and make known to all men what is the fellowship of the mystery which uh, from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things really there through Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in the heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose, which he have purpose in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have uh, boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that you faint not at my tribulations, which are uh, which is your glory. And so you see that uh, what's been given and provided to the gen or to us as grace believers is through God's eternal purpose. It's not something uh, he just stated and, and started with time and said, 
oh, I'm going to make these Gentiles to be fellow heirs with the Jews, and uh, I'm going to carry out these things with Jesus according to my snow way back in eternity past. Way back before we were even a part of the equation, uh, God purposed these things to be. And so you see his, his purpose extends out into eternity. eternity. We also see that etern the eternality of the Lord is lauded by Paul in his doxology to Timothy. Go with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 17. <clears throat> First Timothy chapter one and verse 17. And you see these little short snippets of uh, glorification to God and to the Lord uh, throughout scripture. And they're always interesting to go to the pastor. If you guys haven't noticed, a lot of times we'll close out the sermon or the, the, uh, uh, our afternoon session with these doxologies. But here's one uh, that if he ever so desired, he could come to this one. But in first Timothy chapter one and verse 17 and pick it up in verse 11. He says, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he had counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and an injurious or an injurious, but I have attained mercy because I did it ignorant and ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, uh, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them that which should hereafter believe on him into not really their uh, everlasting life, but eternal life. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God is honor and glory. Uh, into the ages of the ages, you could really say there, Amen. And so you see, um, Paul really lauding the Lord for what he's done in taking him, who was a persecutor of the church, and placing him to be a minister on behalf of the church. Uh, and he really states that he's eternal. <laughs> this king, this one that has all power and is divine, is eternal. And it's really, as you look at we talked about before, I think the pastor brought it up a few weeks ago and looking at these titles of the Lord and they don't just do it for variation. This person was actually called Jesus as a human being. He is Christ and that he's glorified and resurrected and seated at the right hand of God. He is Lord of all and that he is the divine master over all of us, his servants. And so you see these different names used of him. Here you see that person, Jesus. And Christ, seated at the right hand of God, he is now eternal. And so as you think of God, <clears throat> excuse me, the son, you think of him as eternally God. But as you think of him as Jesus, you see him in the realm of his humanity. And that person that was seen in humanity is now glorified and seated at the right hand of God and partaking 
in that eternality. And so uh, an amazing statement here by uh, the Apostle Paul. We also see that the Holy Spirit is seen as eternal in his application of the work of the Son. Uh, go with me over to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. And pick it up in verse 11. And here you see it says, But Christ being become a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption on behalf of us. For if the blood, uh, the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through his eternal spirit offered himself without spot uh, to God, purge your conscience from the dead works uh, to serve the living God? And so you see here <clears throat> uh, what's going on in the book of Hebrews. And we talked about this before we sing the song or the hymn here. We have something better. And that's the theme of this book of Hebrews, right? The, the Old Testament saints had something and a relationship to God, but it was not that perfect relationship that you can have with Christ. Uh, I think Brother Don did a good job a couple years ago of looking at the Old Testament saints and those things that they did have. There were good things that they had because they were able to relate to God. But guess what? We have something better. We have a, a more perfect covenant. We have a more perfect sacrifice that's being made on behalf of us. And those sacrifices they gave with those, the blood of those animal sacrifices were just good for one year. And they had to come back and keep doing it over and over and over again. We have an eternal sacrifice that was made with our eternal Savior. And so you see that there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Also over in... Um, the next thing we want to look at is that the sun is seen as the embodiment of eternal life uh, for man to see. Go with me over to First uh, John chapter five. First John chapter five. And pick it up in pick it up in verse fifteen. Well, pick it up in verse thirteen, sorry. He says, There are these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you have believed or that you may believe on the name of the son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. 
If any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life uh, for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that thou shall, or that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, uh, and there is a sin not unto death. We, uh, we know whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and the wicked one toucheth them not. And we know that we are out from God, that of is uh, really they are out from God as the source. And the whole world lies in the, not wickedness there, but the wicked one. And so if you looked at the Greek there, uh, you could say literally the wicked one. And so we're talking about Satan here. And the picture you get, we've been through here before, is a picture of young Benjamin back there. And I'm not calling Benjamin uh, <laughs> by any means. Don, you're not the devil, and Benjamin, you're not the world. But, but we. <laughs> well, your wife might say otherwise. I don't know. <laughs> but, well, even your daughters say otherwise as well. But <laughs> you see this picture here of, of Don many times trying to get Ben to sleep, right? And he doesn't just go like this and <laughs> throw him around and say, go to sleep, does he? <laughs> that's how John does it <laughs> but what, what do you do when you want to get that baby to sleep you cradle them in your arms and you rock them and you put them to sleep you soothe the needs that they have and here's a picture of what Satan's doing to the world the whole world is lying in the wicked one Satan and he's rocking them to sleep he's not doing it with physical hands he's doing it with things that satisfy people with things that he knows people want, with those things that are going to satisfy that person. So he goes to sleep and doesn't think about the fact that this world is short. <laughs> this life that we're living in is short. The eternal things that are out there for us extend far beyond this little temporal existence here. And so you see that with Satan. In verse 20 it says, And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us understanding him that is true and we are in him that is true even in his son uh, Jesus Christ <coughs> this is the true God and eternal life and so you see this eternal life again uh, provided by uh, the Lord there now we see this also extended uh, to individuals uh, where uh, we are able to be partakers in eternal life uh, we see that the son is stated as having the words pertaining to eternal life for people to hear. Uh, go with me back over to John chapter 6 and verse 68. And we see that there. And pick it up in verse 66. And really go back a couple of verses because I want to catch this. <laughs> a lot of people talk about uh, the disciples that followed him. Well, a lot of them dropped off. There were a whole large crowd of people that were following him at first. Uh, but then uh, they, they kind of dropped off uh, <laughs> at a certain point when they saw these things weren't going to work out the way that they wanted them to. Pick it up in verse 60. He says, many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew 
uh, in himself that his disciples murmured at it. He saith unto them, Does this offend you? What, what and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you uh, that believe not. And so, very careful as word disciples, because there are a lot of people that were following the Lord, who obviously, you see here, weren't even saved. <laughs> there were ones following him, literally following him, that didn't believe. And we want to make disciples out of people today, right? Well, no, I think we want to make Christians out of people today. We're in a, a total different thing and a total different time of where we're working. Uh, but you see this here, very interesting word. But in uh, verse uh, 65, he said, and he said, therefore, said, uh, said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back. And walk no more with him. Uh, then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words pertaining to eternal life. And so you see, it's the words that he has is going to provide the potential for eternal life with these men. And so they had this anticipation and expectation of being able to live out eternal life or a quality of that eternal life that's provided. They knew that he had the words that pertain to that. Uh, and so you see that here. We also see that the son is able to impart eternal life to, whom, to whomever the father desires to have it. Go with me over to John chapter 17. And we'll pick it up at verse 1. something about this window back here over here that I don't know what that's all about but apparently uh, you have to be careful when you turn on the fan that I don't want something to happen behind me um, pick it up in verse 1 of chapter 17 he said these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said father the hour is come glorify the son uh, glorify thy son that uh, thy son also may glorify thee. Now, I say it as I come through here each time, but this is the true Lord's Prayer. Everyone always points back to uh, the Lord's Prayer in the Gospels and, and wants to, to make that out to be the Lord's Prayer. This is the true Lord's Prayer here where he's actually praying to the Father and asking uh, on behalf of himself. In verse 2 it says, As thou hast given him authority over all flesh, that he shall give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is, or excuse me, and this is etern life eternal, that they may, might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And I have glorified thee on earth, and I have finished the work which thou hast uh, gavest me to do. And so he's looking forward again here to the anticipation that these that he had had with him, the ones that truly stuck around and were truly believers would have the opportunity to have eternal life. And you see, when he uh, was uh, crucified, uh, buried, and resurrected again, it became possible for those that believed to partake in this eternal life. And so all of us are, are partakers as well uh, as a result of that. 
We also see that the uh, judgments of God are seen as eternal. Go with me over to Hebrews chapter 6. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 6. And um, these chapter divisions sometimes uh, kind of throw off the idea of what was spoken about in the chapter before. So you can't separate, I think, these two chapters without knowing what, what he was discussing before in the last chapter. And this can get a lot of people in trouble when you come to this context because it's one people use to say, well, you can lose your salvation. You see it right here in the, the context. But they divorce what was said in the last chapter. So you have a, a, a individual who is not living out the life in the way that he's supposed to. Uh, one that is carnal in, in the last chapter. He, he states that he can't even write to these Hebrew saints about these things he wanted to talk to them about with Melchizedek. Why? Because of their spiritual state. They wouldn't even be able to receive it. Uh, and so you have to keep this in mind as you come into chapter 6. And so let's go back there. <clears throat> Pick it up in verse eight. He says, though uh, he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things he suffered and being made uh, perfect. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God uh, and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. Now, obviously, uh, some of us can get dull of hearing as we become older, right? Physically, you don't hear the way that you uh, used to. And I'm experiencing some of that. Uh, my wife might say it's selective. But <laughs> you, you see that you're hearing phase. But he's not talking about physical hearing here. He's talking about spiritually. They are not able to hear and receive the message that he would want to speak to them. In verse 12, for when at the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need for milk and not strong meat. And so he's using a lot of figurative speech here. When you see a baby who is at a young age, they don't necessarily eat meat. I understand little Ben is finally getting to partake of the table. He doesn't have to stare and gaze at everyone else's plate and say, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to give him some cake a long time ago, but Wendy wouldn't let me. <laughs> and so we see that. Uh, but this strong meat, milk is for babies that are, are developing, right? Until you get to a certain stage where you have teeth and your mouth can actually take the eating and digesting of, of meat. And he's talking about that here with believers. When you're at a, a certain point where you're not where you need to be spiritually, you're going to need just the very basic things from Scripture to get you back to where you need to be as far as your spiritual life is concerned. But when you're growing and maturing, you're able to understand and handle the deeper things of Scripture. In verse uh, 13, he says, For everyone that is, uh, uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is, he is a babe. Um, 
we all, the pastor often talks about it and we see it with people it's not a good thing or it's never referred to as a good thing that you call a babe in scripture you look at people and they say well, well somebody such and such just became saved and they can't handle many things from scripture hogwash <laughs> that's not true you see it's the spirit of god that teaches you and and relates the things of god to the individual so it has nothing to do with where you are spiritually or how long you've been saved it has to do with where you're at as far as your relationship to God and wanting to understand those things that are in it. And so he says he is a babe in verse 14, but strong meat, strong meat, the, the heavier, deeper things of scripture belongs to them that are of full age. And it doesn't have to do with age uh, numerically. It has to do with where you are maturity wise uh, as a believer. <coughs> and so really you could say, Strong meat belongs to, to those that are, are maturing ones, even of those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern uh, both good and evil. In verse uh, one of chapter six, he says, therefore, so uh, I like the way that uh, Dr. Schaefer in, in Oregon used to say it. Whenever you see that word, therefore, you look back and see what is therefore. therefore. <laughs> Leaving the principles. And so based on everything that was said in the last chapter, that's why I connect these two together. Uh, leaving the principles or these elementary things of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance uh, from dead works and of faith toward God, of doctrines of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Um, and this we will do if God permits, for it is impossible for those that were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted of the good uh, word of God and the powers of the world to come. Uh, if they should fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they have crucified uh, to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to open shame. And so. A lot of people like to come and point to this and say, see there, you can lose your salvation. Well, this is one of the first projects I got to do in seminary, and it was one of the funnest ones, uh, that you go and prove the fact that here, if you take what he said in the last chapter, you understand this has nothing to do with losing your salvation. It has to do with the fact that when you're <coughs> carnal and when you're not rightly relating to God, you're not going to be able to understand those things that God has for you. And there's nothing more for you to do than go back to where you started as far as your salvation is concerned with him. And understand that I've been resurrected together with Christ and seated at the right hand of God. Now I can go on maturing as a believer. Uh, but you're going to keep crucifying him over and over again and putting him in the open shame uh, when you don't understand that. But this idea of eternal judgment, uh, again, we saw there. Um, now, this is where my notes end, and I'm going to have to wrap it up here a little bit early. Uh, I wanted to go into infinity, but I don't want to miss any of our uh, work on the uh, eternality there. I think there's a couple more verses that we have to go to, uh, and we'll get those out to you next week. But we still have uh, if in his infinity as well as his freedom uh, that we're going to see as well as we move forward. So those will be two uh, good things to look forward to. Uh, as we go forward. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we're grateful for this day uh, and grateful uh, again for your grace and for the fact that 
Uh, you are not restricted to time. You're not restricted by space. You're not restricted by any of those things that we as finite human beings uh, can't get our minds wrapped around. Um, and we often try to think about uh, who you are. We can look at scripture and understand pieces, uh, but we will be remiss to fully understand who you are, uh, especially in this life. Uh, we look forward to the time uh, when our bodies are changed and we can uh, relate to you in a different kind of way and we can understand more uh, and we will be uh, for eternity learning more things about you uh, because you are just that much greater than we are. And so we are grateful for that and grateful for the grace that you provided and extended unto us and that we are able to be saved as a result. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.